The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. Thank you, Craig, and welcome to the 6 o'clock gang on this Tuesday, September 2nd, 2020. I'm Dave Congleton. I'm going to set up this segment uh, this way. Chris Aaron has been a, a good friend and regular contributor of this broadcast, eh, I think, since around 2004. And um, I know this is a subject that he has been talking about with me, I'd say, for the better part of a year. Uh, he has written an essay called The Myth of Systemic Racism, and it's almost long enough to be a book. And we're not even going to be able to get all the way through all the main points. So I would just urge you to go to calcoastnews.com. A lot of you are going to like it. A lot of you are going to be infuriated by it. But we can all agree that Chris is entitled to his opinion. Uh, let me just i pull two sample quotes out of here. Um, number one, there are a few white supremacists in the country. Their number is insignificant. And they are especially rare in our law enforcement agencies. Uh, second quote I jotted down is that civil rights legislation and case law effectively eliminated all racial discrimination in the American legal system. Let's hear more. Here's Chris Aaron. Chris, good evening. Evening, Dave. Uh, what kind of reaction have you been getting to this? Well, I've been getting uh, a couple of knee-jerk accusations of being a racist, and I've gotten a lot of positive reaction. Uh, I tackled, of course, an extremely controversial topic, so it's not the reaction isn't unexpected. Right, and allow me this point, but the first reaction I would have is, well, here's a older white male conservatives take on racism and systemic racism this is what i would expect you to say is that a fair point that's that's a pretty frankly that's a pretty racist in the original definition of the term view frankly as a i don't care whether i'm old or whatever my ethnicity is if i'm white or whatever i have a right to talk about this i've given it a lot of thought and uh, I, th- I think i've written a pretty damn good piece so i don't uh, this type of this has gotten to be a habit uh and i've had this reaction to you're a white guy shut up sit down you have got nothing to say that's ridiculous that is such a divisive approach right and i'm not saying shut up I'm just saying that because you're white and you're in the majority, majority, you don't have the perspective of someone who's been pressed down by the white majority. That's just foolish. I can still think, Dave, you know what, Dave, I'll bet you have some real objections to the Holocaust, but you were never locked up in Auschwitz and you never made the journey to the gas chamber. You were never oppressed as a Jew, but I'll still bet you could say a few things about the Holocaust. Mm. Do you do you believe that there is racism, Chris? Oh, of course I believe there's racism. Okay. It's a question, and I was addressing here the concept of systemic racism. Look, of course there's individual racism out there. You see, you don't have to go far, and you'll run across somebody who says something stupid. You go onto the Internet, and you're going to see all sorts of uh, racist garbage out there. Matter of fact, racist garbage expressed by 
people of all ethnicities and in all countries. Racism is a common factor uh, throughout all of humanity, uh, judging people by, going back to Martin Luther King's uh, famous quote, a lot of people judge others by their skin, rather the color of their skin, rather than the color of their character, and you see that throughout the world. And it's not a sin that uh, any one race is guilty of, it's, or any group of people is guilty of, except the one thing you can say about racism, judging somebody by the color of their skin rather than their character, it's really boneheaded stupid. Racists right. are universally stupid. So there are people who are racist towards other people, but it sounds like from the essay, you reject the idea of uh, systemic racism, institutional That's right. and racism. I, and I went into this because, look, I, so many people out there say, we have no systemic racism in the United States because, as the one quote said, there the, league, the law and the regulations. Uh, our law is devoid of racial discrimination now. It's uh, you don't no longer have laws that require uh, people of one racial group to go to a different drinking fountain than others. Uh, you know, but that stuff was long gone. That was the great achievement of Martin Luther King that he got rid of race discrimination in our law and the uh the case law has also uh, gone down that line of course starting with brown v board of education in 54 so the that there's a reason to say the system is not itself racist because racial prejudice has been eliminated from it the only other way that you might want to say there's systemic racism is you say, is if you say well the system in other words the governmental agencies the business is all, it's all populated by a bunch of racists. They, racists control it. Uh, but you look around and really, do you see any racist cops in our uh, in our county? Do you think? Uh, I bet black there are. In, I bet in, there uh, are in L.A. I believe the majority of the police department down there, uh, their ethnic minorities, are most of them racists. It it doesn't seem to. Uh, it's not convincing. But uh, but Chris, how do you know? How do you just said, for example, you don't think any cops in our county are racist? How do you know? Well, Dave, I doubt that they would survive long in the uh, police department based on the policies uh, our sheriff has, our various police chiefs have, based on the policies in California law also. I don't think a person who's a member of the uh, KKK or who uh, uh, has a white power bumper sticker on his car is going to last long in the police department. Michael German, a former FBI special agent, says white supremacist groups have infiltrated U.S. law enforcement agents in every region of the country over the last two decades. Well, I'm sure some have found their way in, but to say that most cops out there and most uh, district attorneys and most judges are racist is ridiculous. I haven't seen any data to support that. Doesn't that say that they have to be most just the existence, right? You might, you might have a few out there. Look, when you have, a, I believe it's about 800,000 law enforcement uh, officers we have in the United States, federal and state levels. And I'll bet within that group you will indeed find a handful of racists. But I don't think you're going to find many because they really get culled from the herd, just as they do in the military, by the way. If they find them engaged in uh, racist activity, they cull them from the herd. It's a great way to get booted out of the Army. Chris Aaron on this broadcast, read his uh, essay called The Myth of Systemic Racism at calcoastnews.com. Uh, let me give you an example. And how would you define this? Let's talk about Hollywood. You and I are the, about the same age, Chris. 
we grew up watching movies and no minorities ever in a starring role, in major roles. Only lately have they come to television. What would you call that? Dave, there used to be. I'm sure there was systemic race. As a matter of fact, that's, of course, the way it was back 50, 60 years ago. The great achievement of Martin Luther King is that he got rid of the legalization of racism, and he... uh, and we have a lot of anti-discrimination laws that also against discrimination in business. And then the people have developed careers as a result. Nowadays, uh, I have no idea what the data looks like now, but I'm sure you will find that uh, their black population and Hispanics are more represented in the entertainment industry than they used to be. So there Dave, was... But there you was. Dave, you've got to look... When you read this article, you've got to realize I do not say that there are no racial disparities, there are no right. ethnic disparities between uh, the status of uh, various groups of people. Right. Of course there are uh, disparities when you look at uh, ethnic groups in the aggregate. Right. You look but, at you know, crime statistics, business statistics, uh, that is economic statistics, there are all sorts of ethnic discrepancies. Okay. What I'm saying, though, is that that is not a result of this myth called systemic uh, racism. But earlier, Actually, the reasons are much deeper than that. And what I see happening when people say there's, it's all due to systemic racism, they start right. then lashing out at the system, like we've been seeing in recent uh, yeah. months now. But Chris, and, earlier, earlier in the conversation, you said at one time there was systemic racism in Hollywood. So at one point, there was systemic racism in the country. When did it stop? Stopped at about 1970, roughly, and during the period, I'd say the transition period was from about 1954. I think we can say that's the beginning date when uh, Brown v. Board of Education dumped the old Plessy versus Ferguson case, and then through the uh, civil rights movement in the 60s and into the uh, civil rights uh, uh the anti-discrimination legislation in the 60s and into the early 70s, which, uh, and also the enforcement that really was going hard in the 70s, that uh, also took race discrimination out of such areas, uh, commercial dealings between private parties. Try now discriminating against somebody and hiring on the basis of race. It's you're going to catch a lawsuit very quickly. All right, doing the same thing with housing or in, or uh, uh, saying putting up a sign in your store. We do not serve, and then pick the ethnic group. You're going to get clobbered. All right, we'll be back with more of our conversation with Chris Aaron. We'll take your phone calls after news at the bottom of the hour. I want to give Chris a chance to talk about his essay, "The Myth of Systemic Racism." At CalCoastNews.com, I'm Dave Congleton on AM 920 FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. And we'll welcome your phone calls for Chris Aaron after news at the bottom of the hour. He's here to talk about his essay, The Myth of Systemic Racism. It's posted online at CalCoastNews.com. And Chris, as we continue, again, I stress this is a long essay. People need to read it. But one of the things you stress in it is that our definition, our thinking about the concept of racism has changed. That's, that's right. And it's what happened is the we know, all know the old definition of racism. It's being prejudiced against somebody because of their ethnicity, because of their race. The new definition started off in about 1970 uh, in academia. It, had a, it was a little seed that was planted back then, but it's grown through academia, and it's been reduced to an equation that racial prejudice plus 
power equals racism. So they added the element of power to it. And then the concept behind the theory of systemic racism, also called institutionalized racism, is that if you don't have the power, you can't be a racist because you have no ability to uh, implement your racial prejudices, to realize and to force your views on others. What's wrong with that? This led to the odd, odd uh, conclusion widespread in academia and uh, popular writings, on, especially on the political left, that because uh, the black population does not have power, they cannot be racist because the white population is the majority and has the power. We are all racists. Matter of fact, that's the idea that uh, forms the foundation for that book, White Fragility. Well, but wait a minute, Chris. This is what I don't understand. You, you can have racist attitudes, but you need to have power in order to deny someone. I'm going to deny you health care. I'm going to deny you this job. I'm going to deny you blank. I have the power to do that. If I don't have power, why does it matter? It's looked at as a as collective power. The theory of systemic racism is based on looking at which is the ethnic majority in power, not the individual. And it transitioned that's by adding this element of power and saying it is the power of the majority. It transforms right. the concept of racism or being a racist from an individual type of sin to a collective sin and sure. to collective guilt. Sure. And we get these odd uh, statements out there that then all whites are racist and no member of an ethnic uh, majority can be a racist. Uh, a little bit odd. It also, this aspect of power, as I discuss in detail in the article, it's really uh, this whole line of argument about systemic racism is based on the American situation, but as soon as you get outside the United States and look at history and uh, other countries, all of a sudden the concept of systemic racism makes no sense. I, I pick one of the classic examples of uh, Nazi Germany. I mean, Nazi Ger <laughs> the Nazis and Nazi Germany was certainly a racist state. I think that's we can uh, that there was systemic racism in Nazi Germany. Right. They had they had racist attitudes in the original definition, a racial bias, and they had power. Right. After after May 1945, they had no power anymore. Their power had been destroyed. Does that mean that when they no longer had power and only had racial prejudice the nazis were miraculously no longer racist now so how how do you explain the fact that the whites have the power in this country if it's not systemic racism dave i don't think whites have all that much power as an really? aggregate unit in this country really they, the whites have the power really? you would have to say that whites okay. act as a monolithic group well they well here let me let me make the point chris hang on a second let me make the point then name an area where minorities dominate. Business, government, health care. Name me one area where whites are not in power in this country. As a matter of fact, Dave, if you look at the health care industry, you're going to find that other ethnic groups are very well represented in the health care industry. Are they the majority? I have no idea, okay, Dave. Then. I haven't taken a poll, and I don't think that uh, it <laughs> makes sense to just say, well... 
instance, we have 51 point so-and-so percent whites in uh, the healthcare industry. The whites control the healthcare industry without regard no. to all the Asians and blacks and every other ethnicity that's involved in the healthcare Chris, industry. Chris, I'm just trying to get you to recognize a fundamental point. And the fundamental point is, is that this country is a white majority country. Sure. Okay. Of course it is. All right. You look at, you look at the population statistics, right? It's about roughly 60% white. It depends on how you look at the data, and it depends on how Hispanic. Sometimes they're classified as white. Sometimes they're classified as Hispanic. Sometimes right. classified as Hispanic. Plus, it, I mean, there are all sorts of ways you can draw lines. But, but I'm talking about power. This yeah, is a white power, power country. Dave, where is the monolithic white power in this country? Everywhere. Where do you say the white, who represents the white monolithic entity, the majority in this country? Hmm? Every, I, every, I just gave you the challenge. In every field that you can mention, white people have all the power positions. Oh, they do. You mean like uh, in the previous administration, right? I agree, though. Uh, Obama, he was, uh, well, he was half white, so I guess he counts. He had that power position and the uh, attorney general. Dave, we have now a very mixed, you look at you look at the police forces in New York City and L.A., other major centers, urban centers, they are now majority uh, uh, white, or rather uh, non-white uh, uh, officers. The fact of the majority, Dave, I don't think has anything to do with racism. What has Racism, as I point out in the article, is an individual sin and deserving of individual condemnation. The fact that a majority of people are white or that we have ethnic disparities, social disparities, uh, is not, you can't uh, place it back on that all the people who are uh, administering criminal law are racists in the sense that they're acting on the basis of racial prejudice. Does the law yeah, treat, to, does the law, to, Chris, does uh, the law treat white people and minorities the same today? Sure does. Really? Sure does. You get, you have disparities out there. When you look at different ethnic groups, of course, you will see that their incarceration rates, conviction rates, etc., for uh, uh, black Americans. Actually, I think conviction rates are a bit shade lower than whites. But you look at the uh, the uh, data, and of course, the black population is much more affected by the uh, justice system than the white population on a per capita basis, of course. You look at the reasons for it. If you say it's because it's systemic racism, that sort of ends the discussion. You start saying, well, we've got to destroy the system. If you look past that and you look, why is that the case, then you start really addressing social problems, such as the higher crime rates and so on. Chris Aaron is on this broadcast. It is The Myth of Systemic Racism. It is an essay he has published at calcoastnews.com. We are off to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. We'll find out what's happening around the world. Craig will update us on time-saver traffic and weather together. And then what do you think? Do you agree with Chris or do you have questions for him? We will welcome your phone calls and continue all the way until 7 o'clock. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio for the Central Coast. Good to be with you this evening. I'd stick around.
where we are in conversation with uh, Chris Aaron, talking about his essay that you can read at CalCoastNews.com. It's called The Myth of Systemic Racism. What do you think? You want in on the conversation? Pick up the phone. Give us a call. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you agree with the guest, fine. If you want to challenge them, that's fine, too. Whatever's on your mind. As uh, we're back with Chris, we've got David on KVEC. Hi, David. Yeah, hi, Dave. And hi, hi Chris. Hi. You hi. know, I don't want this to turn into a personal attack or anything, but I think, Chris, you are a prime example of systemic racism. You yourself. How so? Oh, that you, he's consistent, he, you know, he's kind of tapped in. He's well adjusted, well, uh, you know, educated white person who's used his power in our community for years to deny racism in our community. Uh, he's used your radio station. Now he's using other media outlets. Um, he's he, he, on his show here. He's saying ra- systemic racism ended sometime in the 1970s. So he's basically being the expert and and perpetuating this myth that there's no systemic racism. Right. Right. He, he, he's, you're part of the system, Chris, and you are doing exactly what we would expect from a systematic racist. Let him respond, Chris. Well, it's that's a sort of a knee-jerk reaction. I don't know if the, if Dave uh, has even read the article yet. Maybe yes, he did. I have. I uh, have. There is a, not you, Dave. The other Dave who's okay. on the line. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea whether he did or not. Uh, but it's a, sort of a knee-jerk reaction I get is to be called a racist because I question one of the holy cows of uh, the political left, namely the concept of systemic racism, which is equivalent to collective guilt. All whites are racist. We must all, uh, we must all I don't know, cover ourselves in sackcloth and ashes or that's something not what like it, that. That's, that's not what it means, Chris. That, that is, Dave, you have actually had people out there on their knees washing the feet of others lined up, uh, black people lined up and, uh, you know, apologizing okay. for their racism. Right. I think give me a break, Dave. But, but, is, but, but come to David's point. Dreams. Chris, come to David's point. He says that you're part of the problem. I have no idea what he's talking about. I don't know anything I have ever done that is racist. I came, my, my life going through the system. I've worked hard all my life. I've uh, studied hard. I've busted my tail all my life. I've achieved a certain level of success. Right. Uh, and what in the hell is racist about that? All right, David, follow up? Well, you've spent, you know, I've heard you over the years on, on this radio station, and you've spe- spent a considerable amount of time on the radio, and I imagine in your life also, is denying racism. And I don't know exactly why you would do that, but it, it, it seems really systemic. You, that's been a big part of your personality, he's your not, public he, personality. He, he's let me not, get back he, again to this. He, I mean, this, wait, there's let me, a little let intellectual me, concept here we've got to look wait. at. There is the old definition of racism, individual racism, racial prejudice, and there is the new definition, which is this collectivist systemic racism or all whites are racist and the white privilege and all the Beverly uh, D'Angelo garbage. Uh, so the now I, of course, recognize that there is individual racism out there. There are lots of idiots in this world, and you, as I say, you find it everywhere. Right. I am sure I don't judge people by the color of their skin or their ethnicity. Right. I was raised especially not to. 
All right, fair enough. David, thanks for the call. Let me move on to some other callers. We've got Mike in Los Osos. Hi, Mike. Hi, Dave. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mike. Uh, Chris, I read your article. It's fantastic. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, speaking truth to the madness that's going on. Um, uh, I believe that most white liberals who uh, complain about systemic racism base uh, base their opinion on what they read. Most of them don't really have a lot of experience uh, with minority communities, but I do. Uh, I grew up in Fresno. I went to Edison High School, which was 99% black. Then I, I uh, went on to Fresno High School, which was a cultural cornucopia. Uh, recently, uh, went to a um, 30-year um, reunion and uh, was with all of my, I was the minority, was with mostly Hispanic friends and several blacks, uh, a few of whom were in my wedding. And let me tell you something about them. I watched them throughout their lives, and I can tell you that if you looked at each and every one of us, you could not tell that anyone had any privilege over anyone else because they're all successful in, in some are working teaching jobs, some have businesses, some are mortgage brokers. They're all succeeding, and nothing held them back. Now, that's my life experience. Uh-huh. I've watched them grow up. Uh-huh. And it's anecdotal, though. Right, Mike? What's that? It's anecdotal. These are people you know. Um, these are people that I grew up with that were poor, their families were poor. Oh, I know. We grew up and went to the same school, oh, okay. and they went out, and, and the society that you see as racist did not hold them back any more than it held me back or anyone else. Right. So you can call it anecdotal, and I can call it reality. Right. Your reality is something that you read in a book written by some leftist lunatic. Right. Okay? My okay. reality is something I live. Yeah. All right. Chris, whatever. Well, he's... he's He's pointing out that the people he went to school with and he saw 30 years later now were not victims of, uh, of racism. They, they, haven't, they haven't been held back by, uh, racist, by a racist system, although I'm sure that some of them uh, ran into individual boneheaded racists. But there is a huge difference between saying, I've, had a, I've encountered someone who's called me by a racial epithet and uh, saying I've been held back because the law says I can't own land or I can't uh, uh, engage in such and such a profession because right. of my race. What else, Mike? Uh, just, just to point out, I was, I was uh, assaulted several times growing up for being white. Okay, my, my uh, mm-hmm. best friend little brother was shot and killed by a black guy a racist but i don't blame i don't blame any i don't blame blacks or hispanics for what a few black racists and hispanic racists did to me or when they killed my friend i i i I look at it individually and it's just so sad that the left is so racist okay all right thank you mike 805-543-8830 800-549-5832. Alan's in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Alan. Hey, Dave. Hey, Chris. A hey. nice, Hi, Alan. simple, lightweight topic today. That's right. Hey. <laughs> we, we've got to go for the fun stuff. Uh, a couple of things. One is 
since there is that attitude that's always going to be there of some people, like you say, are going to have that racist attitude, go for stereotypes of one group or another. I still hear different stereotypes for different groups. That won't go away as long as people have that attitude. Education isn't enough. People have to want to treat people properly and have to learn how to do that. As far as the power idea, I have another example for you. It was in the mid-19, well, I'll call it the 1930s, approximately. Yeah. Japan was quite the powerhouse, and they looked on the Chinese as racially inferior. So when they went in to try to take over China, they were killing people by the hundreds of thousands. They were experimenting on the Chinese because of how they looked upon them. And this is the group with power. They were reacting as racists. Yes, that's right. They had they had race racist policies. But did, did, have you read my article yet? I Not yet. Uh, I would need it in audio format. Sorry. Right, and but when you have the power that allows you to carry out your racist policies, well, it allows a country to carry out its racist policy. You can have a systemically racist country. The Nazis were like that. The Germans were like that. Uh, the uh, United States had widespread systemic racism up until the middle of the last century. Alan, what else? And that's what I would say. Systemic is, that's the point, by definition, in the system. You can remove it from the laws, but until you change the people's hearts, it's still going to be there. I'm glad you called, Alan. Thank you. 805-543-8830-800-549-5832. Jim's in North County on KVEC. Hi, Jim. How are you, David? Hi, North Hi, County Jim. How are you, buddy? I'm good, and you? I'm good. Good to hear from you. Well, thank you very much. It's all the old white guys' fault, so we don't have to worry about anything else. Just get rid of all the old white guys, and everything will be fine. Tell me more, Jim. <laughs> oh. Well, it's absurd, man. It's just ridiculous. Coming from where I come from and seeing what I've seen, you can have social issues because there's no racial issues because there's not enough difference in racial population to make an issue. So it becomes a social issue. It's a tool. You know, it's just a tool to get people riled up. You know, I've been, I was jumped on a bus by a bunch of black kids when I was in high school. So what? It happens. You change neighborhoods and things happen. That's the way it is. Yeah, but you, you can't blame every. But is there a systemic racism? No, I don't think there is. There's individuals, and they're going to have problems with everybody and anybody, because Irish weren't allowed to do certain things. The Italians weren't allowed. The Jews weren't allowed to do certain things in Europe. And and when the Irish came to this country, it's not about race. It's just about the fact that they're in the way. So in, ter- so in terms of the healthcare system, the legal system, Hollywood, everybody's well, the same. This is all so, Dave, everybody's not the same, and that's you're missing the point. The point is there oh. are, of course, ethnic disparities, especially when you look in the at a group in the aggregate. If you say the murder statistics for whites and blacks, they're the same. Of course they're not. We know that the murder statistics for blacks I'm talking about access. I'm talking about opportunity. Jim, what else do you want to say? Well, I think that all the races, you know, there's obstacles for everybody. There were obstacles for, like I said, other people that weren't necessarily 
of, of another color. But uh, there's a lot of very well-to-do and uh, celebrities that are black, sports people that are black, and they're, they're you know, they talk a lot. Nobody puts out their money to start uh, a corporation or something to help these people out, but everybody seems to like to talk a lot. Yeah, it's but easy it, to walk off a field. It's easy to kneel or put uh, your money where your mouth is and do something about it. Yeah, well, okay, the blacks are the sports players, but who are the owners? The owners are white. And? Uh, but, but my point is the whites... The, the getting white, paid, David. The white, getting paid. I know, but my point is the whites have the power. This is a white power society. And are you telling... It's a white power society? Yes. I'm, you're lo- I'm sorry, you lost me on that one. Yeah, the whites in this country have the power across the board. So what is your consequence of that, Dave? What, what conclusion do you want to draw from that, that we should uh, just arbitrarily boot a bunch of whites out of power and install other people in their place because they have the right skin color? I don't think that makes sense. No, we, we have to recognize the disparity uh, that is in this country. Ah, yeah, there are disparities, and we have to work to lift, to give every person in this country the right to achieve the American dream without regard to race, color, creed, etc. That's what we have to do. We have to make sure that the individual can advance in this society against the institutionalized racism and Jim and now you're you're making up this thing the institutionalized racism and you equate uh, uh, the uh, fact uh, that there are ethnic disparities with the fact that there is systemic or institutional racism it's based it's a result of racial prejudice dave that's exactly where you short-circuit the way to a solution of social problems. If you want to uh, solve, for instance, the racial disparity in the crime statistics, maybe the place to do it is not disbanding the police or uh, other foolish proposals, but maybe look at why crime is so prevalent, especially in inner-city neighborhoods. Jim, anything else you want to say? That's a long okay. topic, David. Some other time. Thanks right. for the time. Good to hear from you. But before I take the next call, Chris, I repeat what I said earlier in the in the hour. White supremacist groups have infiltrated U.S. law enforcement agencies in every region of the country over the last two decades. A new report shows ties between police and far right vigilante groups. Between the police, how how many police do you th- police officers do you think would even risk friendly ties with? white supremacist groups, and I'll bet you'll be counting less than 100. How do you know? In the entire 800,000. How do you know? How do you know, are, Chris? These are not questions that are polled, Dave. I, at least I haven't seen any polls on them where they go out and they question a, a significant sample of police officers. Are you racist? Do you have racial prejudice? I haven't seen any polls like that. But the when I look at, for instance, the crime statistics, the arrest statistics, the uh, few unarmed blacks killed by blacks compared with unarmed whites killed by blacks. There's no significant, first of all, the numbers are insignificantly small. I think the Washington Post said 14 unarmed blacks killed by uh, uh, police last year. Uh, And uh, if you look at the the overall number of uh, people killed this year 
by the police. You will see it's been a total of about 800. Most of those justified, virtually all of them justified. I'm trying to get you, Michael. And so a lot of those are white and black. All right, Michael's in Paso on KVEC. Hi, Michael. Hey, Dave. Uh, Hi, first of all, everybody, I, I am a minority. Yes, sir. And are. I can assure you that during my lifetime, uh, I have seen racism. However, it hasn't been systemic. It's because there's some knuckleheads out there that don't judge people by the content of their character, uh, uh, but rather the color of their skin or their ethnicity. And we live in a post-racial country now. The only thing that this country understands is one thing, and that's green. Furthermore... What does that mean, post-racial? Michael, hang on a second. What does post-racial mean? Post-racial means that our country has moved into a different time. You are more valuable depending on your education, your skill sets, what our education system has delivered to our children. And the black and Hispanic community has been ripped off for many years by the education system because they are filling them with propaganda and uh, social mores of some sort rather than teaching them the skill sets they're going to need to exist and to be successful in this economy. And so for people to see, you know, I just hear a bunch of white people and, and some really angry blacks, uh, not as much Hispanic, uh, but still, nevertheless, I see just a lot of angry people out there that because of their biases and the fact that they want to keep people like me who have a different point of view and other blacks who have a different point of view on the plantation and we choose not to live on the plantation. And you're never you were never on the plantation, Michael. Thanks for the call. Chris, a short response to Michael. No, he's he, he, Again, Dave, you see it in all the calls. Uh, some view racism as an individual sin. They take the individualist approach, and the view you've been expressing is a collectivist approach. And that really gets to the heart of the, uh, the distinction between the old definition of racism and the new definition of racism uh, that is now gained the overhand in academia, at least, but also in a large part of the left-wing media. We got Stan in San Luis. Hi, Stan. Hi. Hi, Stan. Hi. Uh, Chris uh, said that there is racism. He acknowledges that there is racism yes. in America, yes. in the world. Yes. Well, uh, then, therefore, there are people who are in uh, positions of power who are racist, then. I mean, you have to, if you say there's racism in America, then there's people who are in positions of power who are either explicitly racist or implicitly racist. For example, well, I'm sure you'll find the occasional person in, as you call it, a position of power. The well, occasional, let, me, let me finish. Yeah, about the people? occasional person, Dave. I don't know any employer now who discriminates on, again, wow. people. Oh, no, no, that's not true, Chris. Yeah. That's Hold not, on, Chris. Let Stan make his point. Go ahead, Stan. That's not true. And uh, they've done experiments where they've sent out uh, resumes with uh, people with names that are white-sounding, and those resumes get called for interviews more so than re- similar resumes with black-sounding names. Yep. That, yep. So that, therefore, people who are maybe not explicitly racist, but they're implicitly racist. 
in their subconscious. All, and there's not only that, but there are, are um, the criminal justice system. Um, you know, juries are, are prejudiced. They, you know, 33% of the prison population is uh, African-American. Have you ever wondered why that is? Is it because well, okay. people with uh, racial prejudice have found them guilty? A bunch of racists have found them guilty? Or is it perhaps because there's more crime in uh, the African-American community? Well, let me, let me, let me go on further. Uh, African-Americans in schools are much worse than schools in, um, in white neighborhoods. As, as and are hospitals. Hospitals in black neighborhoods are worse. Yeah. Uh, and so how would they, uh, if you get a poor education, you're going to have it much harder to, uh, uh, you know, make a decent we, living, we spend, be successful. Right. As, as you may know, I'm, I'm a member of the school board, and I can tell you we spend a ton of money trying to educate all our students. Uh, now, there are some districts, for instance, Baltimore, which spends a horrendous amount of money, and they do a, frankly, a piss-poor job of educating their students, the majority of which are black. Now, if you say the reason those uh, students in Baltimore are not getting a good education is because of racism, because of racial bias, racial prejudice, I think you'd be uh, dead wrong. But there are probably other reasons uh, playing roles in those schools, such as lack of academic discipline, and lot and just sloppy, sloppy teacher performance. All right, uh, Stan, thank you. Let me squeeze in a quick comment from Al. Hey, Al. Hey, Dave, it's hey. Al. Listen, I Al. called today because this is one of the few times I've agreed with you in a while. So <laughs> All right. I, I thought I'd get that in. I have one little point to make here. Quickly. I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to read from a statistics.com article. Black men are 2.5 times more likely than white men be killed by police during their lifetime i think that's where all this started and that's the problem that's real all right al, and, and, and that's all i have to add i'm glad you called al thank you chris you got 30 seconds for a final thought well the the concept the difference between old racism definition new racism definition is a bit complicated i suggest people go to calcoast news and read the uh, essay i wrote at the bottom of the essay by the way there's an email address for me people can contact me there and i'd be glad to send them a pdf copy which is a uh, slightly different because of the technology used in footnotes and so on I've, it's more like an academic paper of uh, the pdf copy yeah. i suggest people read that and understand the difference between the individualist approach and the collectivist approach. Well, you got to go. Nice job, Chris Aaron. Thanks for joining us. This is Hometown Radio. If on the Stolberg line, if whites have the power, why was Barack Obama our president for eight years? So 45 presidents, one black guy, 44 to one. Oh, wow. Thanks, Elizabeth Barrett, Hep Ingham, Cheryl and Stephen Weiss, Annie Lorenzen, Chris Aaron. Thanks, as always, to Chris. Craig Hill. Excuse me, Craig. Thanks you for listening. I'm Dave Congleton. Now, Oliver, get out of my chair. I'm coming home. Good night. This is 920 AM and FM 90. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.